and 8% at the open. Uh, looks like the, the Hang Seng is going to tag on about 2.7%. That's about 600 points when markets get going in about an hour's time. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil right now is trading at uh, $27.70 a barrel. Gold is surging ahead. It's at $1,636 an ounce. And the US dollar, a little bit weaker. It's trading at 111 uh, against the Japanese yen. The British pound, $1.17.8 right now. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for some more Money Talk. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, one or two showers in the morning, sunny periods during the day, and a maximum temperature of around 27 degrees. A few rain showers at first tomorrow, then rather warm during the day on Friday. It's 22 degrees right now, 87% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has described as overly prejudiced concerns that Hong Kong's next Chief Justice is too conservative. The government announced yesterday that Court of Final Appeal Judge Andrew Cheung will replace Chief Justice Jeffrey Ma, who retires in January. The Legislative Council needs to approve the appointment. Senior Counsel Ronnie Tong says the Chief Justice only sits on the Court of Final Appeal alongside a panel of no less than five judges, including one from a Commonwealth country. unless his view is supported by a general consensus of other senior judges. So I think people worrying about he being too conservative or that he may dish out decisions which are not in line with general principles, I think they are being overly prejudiced about Mr. Justice Chung. The U.S. government says everyone who's moved out of New York City in the last few days should self-quarantine for the next two weeks. At a news conference in the White House, President Trump, Trump described the metropolis as a hotspot for the spread of the coronavirus. Two-thirds of all new cases across the U.S. have been diagnosed in New York City. But President Trump said he hoped the U.S. could get back to work very soon. Our decision will be based on hard facts and data as to the opening. I'm also hopeful to have Americans working again by that Easter, that beautiful Easter day. But rest assured, every decision we make is grounded solely in the health, safety and well-being of our citizens. The Dow has recorded its biggest daily percentage gain in almost 90 years, closing up more than 11 percent. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. This is a stunning turnaround from the markets, from uh, sharp declines yesterday to record performance here by the Dow and also a strong performance by the S&P 500, up 9%, its biggest gain since 2008. Uh, investors are essentially hopeful that Congress can get this stimulus package done. But here's the thing we have seen since the coronavirus started to impact the markets and spread fear across Wall Street. We've seen these big rises only for them to quickly wash out again. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Tewitt and your co-host today is Rachel Cartland. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. And we're going to be taking a break from the virus today and talking about some completely different issues just for a change. First, we're going to be talking about water taxes. The Fortune Ferry Company Limited has been now been selected to operate the central Hung Hom and also water taxi ferry services around the harbour, uh, including Kai Tak, Jim Sa Choi Central and West Kowloon. Passengers will be able to freely 
hop on and hop off at any of the five calling points. How popular do you think it'll be? Can it be competitive when compared to other forms of transport? And then after nine o'clock, ahead of uh, Saturday's WWF's Earth Hour 2020, we're also going to be discussing the effects of the stoppage of industrial actions, activities by the COVID-19 epidemic on the natural world, and also an assessment of the Hong Kong Observatory's new special services for hikers. If you want to comment, uh, then uh, you can email backchat at rthk.hk. You can call us on 233-88266, or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's backchat and rthk radio 3. We've got a few uh, emails uh, on the uh, related to the virus and measures uh, in Hong Kong. Let's get them out of the way, and then maybe we can have a kind of virus-free rest of the programme, and then we'll, we'll come back to it tomorrow, uh, I guess. All right, this is from uh, G, GJVB, uh, who says, uh, Dear Backchat, the topic in question is to limit exposure. That's the alcohol ban. However, the government plan to ban alcohol is only to put many, if not most, of the 8,000-plus bars out of business. This will not only affect the workers and staff of these businesses, but also the entire supply chain of this industry. We're talking of many thousands of workers. If the government had a spine, it would do exactly what many European governments have done and shut down the entire F&B industry for a period of two or three weeks and support all the owners and employees being put out of business. What is needed right now is true leadership, not the absolute nonsense being done. Uh, Elliot says the problem with the Hong Kong government approach to C-19 is that they seem to be scrambling to keep up with developments and taking a piecemeal approach to the virus. Mrs Lam says she's taking scientific advice, but she seems like she's being reactive instead of proactive. If the objective now is to suppress, not just contain the virus in Hong Kong, with the borders finally closed, the best way to do that and break the transmission chain would be to lock the entire city down for two weeks. This would let all asymptomatic people clear the virus from their system and the people with symptoms go to hospital for treatment and recover there. With the virus still out in the world, we would then have to continue to enforce a 14-day quarantine on all arrivals until the virus disappears. The current approach is just going to lead to a long struggle to chase the virus around town. Two weeks of severe hardship to stamp it out might be a small price to say instead of ongoing uncertainty. And finally, Sam says, Our financial secretary cut a pathetic figure a fortnight ago when he appeared before Michael Chigani in the programme Straight Talk. He just couldn't think outside the box on the current economic issues. All he did was keep repeating, We have deciding. We have decided. Thus gave the impression that he was not capable or had no idea how to rescue the mainstream. Here's a person and paid a salary of $400,000 a month, even the $10,000 handout. The credit must go to Mrs Regina Ip. It was she who mooted the idea some, I, some time ago. FS boasts a reserve of $1 trillion and another $600 million elsewhere to the credit of in the Hong Kong. Don't radical times need radical responses? That is what we see in other battered economies. The government must show they are there to assist and ready to bail out Main Street to preserve instead of focus on the financial market or elsewhere. What better... What best than to pay the employers to pay their employees, to instruct all employers in need to negotiate with their employees for a salary reduction of about 10 to 15% for four to six months from April, and each employer to submit the monthly requirements for wages, thus enable employers to retain their employees. Also, the government needs to order all landlords and lenders, banks, to reduce fixed costs of all tenants and borrowers by 50% for the next four to six months from April and postpone the filing of taxes. All these radical 
measures are needed if the government is ready to salvage the economy and revive it. There is no time to waste. Wake up, Mr Paul Chan, from your slumber and face up to the situation. That thought from Sam. Thank you very much in, indeed for that. As I say, OK, a moratorium now on the virus. Uh, on the, well, directly talking about the measures and so on. Nick Brook joins us. He's a former chair of the uh, Harbourfront uh, Commission. And we have uh, Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong and uh, Southern District Councillor, talking about the, the water taxes. Uh, Nick Brook, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us once again. So it's, we've, we've moved on this stage now and the, the, uh, the government has selected this, this company uh, to, uh, to run the, the water taxes. Um, uh, are we getting there, I presume? Yes, we're getting there. I mean, whether this is the only model or the right model, I think we can talk about. And I'm delighted if Paul is on the call because he's long, he and I have long been advocates of making better use of the harbour uh, as a means of transportation, but also enhancing accessibility uh, to all the various attractions around the waterfront. So I think we, we should welcome this. Um, I think survival will be interesting. You know, it's a difficult economic model running ferries, and we've seen ferry companies fail. So there is a vulnerability, I think, in terms of going forward, which we need to be aware of, I think. Um, and also the other thing, and Paul, I'm sure, will talk about this. We have already have a very uh, significant, if you like, existing informal system of sampans and tidals. So uh, my sense is what we should be looking at is the combination of this, this new proposal, if you like, plus what we already have in place going forward. Yeah, it's a new company, isn't it? Fortune Ferry. Um, is yes, it's a, but it's a subsidiary of Tukong, uh, and they're a major uh, ferry company um, servicing Macau and the PRD. Um, I've just been looking at their website. I mean, they, they carried over 10 million passengers last year. So... Um, they're not a new player to the game, if you like, so we're dealing with an established and existing operator. And one that's presumably able to have assessed the risks and decided it's worth taking a financial bet on this service. Well, I think the word bet is, is, is very appropriate in this case. Um, I think the model is yet to be tried. I mean, clearly um, there's a need for um, a service from Central to Hong Kong. That was uh, discontinued, and now that's going to be uh, re-established, restored, uh, with the opening up of East Kowloon and Second CBD and the rest, uh, and lots of office buildings on that side now. I think water connectivity to Hong Kong and Kuantong is important. Um, and then we have, obviously, Kai Tak, which has been uh, a poor relation, if you like, in terms of connectivity for some time. The ferry, uh, sorry, the cruise terminal, obviously... Uh, would benefit from calling to, uh, from a, a ferry service that uh, delivers and takes people from the end of the runway, and then West Kowloon, uh, one the one kilometre of uh, uh, attractions, if you like, but very poorly serviced by by public transport. Uh, so water access there would be a, a major plus, I think. A few months ago, this would have made perfect sense, but as we know, we're now in an extraordinary situation. When is it envisaged that these water taxes will begin operation? Well, they're talking about the uh, fourth quarter of this year um, in terms of the uh, announcement. They're, they're, they're talking about uh, Central Hong Kong coming operational um, in the second quarter this year, so within a few months, uh, and then uh, the water taxes becoming operational uh, by the end of the year. 
and presumably we've no idea currently when the cruise terminal is going to start up again or if it does whether there'll be any cruise boats around the world to actually want to to berth there anymore <laughs> well i mean that's a good point but of course the whole of that peninsula is now is now being developed with uh, housing and with hotels and uh, offices and the like so um, this again there's an argument for uh, enhanced connectivity just in terms of the existing or the future population of the uh, of the peninsula how big do you see these boats that are doing this the the, the water taxi service are they well, it's, five it's people are they 100 people what are... yeah i mean that's an interesting question because we've looked at what's happened elsewhere and uh, you know new york and sydney if you like are the prime examples and they really are hop on hop off 50 to 100 people on the vessel one of the challenges we have here in Hong Kong, as I understand it anyway, anyway is the, the choppiness of the water. Mm. In narrowing the harbour through reclamation over time, we've created both currents and choppiness. Um, so it has to be quite a substantial uh, vessel, if you like, to, to traverse the harbour. If you hug the coast, then you can probably get away with a smaller uh, vessel. But if you start going across the water from uh, Hong Kong Island to Kowloon, then you need a more substantial vessel. Yeah, other, otherwise you're going to end up with a lot of seasick passengers. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think when they talk about hop on, hop off, I think they're being a little ambitious. Hop on and hop off works uh, in the New York, Sydney type environment where you have this smaller vessel where you literally put the gangplank down and you hop on and you hop off and it draws away very quickly. I think inevitably we're talking about something more substantial here. More like a star ferry? More like a ferry, yeah, than, mm -hmm. than a... Than a uh, And, and Venice with the Vaporetta. Exactly, arrest. just what I was thinking yeah. of, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's very calm there, isn't it, of course? You don't get big waves and so on or swell. Um, uh, Paul Zimmern, uh, good morning to you. Morning. Thanks for, for joining us. I know you've, this is something you've been championing for a while. Mm. Um, uh, what do you make of this um, the, the selection the, uh, of the company, and can you describe how this might work? Yeah, so it's, uh, the vessel is a minimum of 100 passengers. That was the requirement. Oh, it's in, a minimum in, of 100? Yeah, so oh, that was the requirement in the tender. So I think we have to be clear that this is not in, in any way a water taxi. It's not like, you know, you, mm -hmm. you, you get on a small boat um, and, and, and ask the guy to go where you want to go yeah. or you tell him where you're going to go and then he takes you there. It is, uh, it's, a, it's basically a circular ferry. Uh, with a uh, with a very large vessel, minimum 100 uh, seats on it. Uh, it has stops in Kai Tak, Hem Hong, um, Chim Cha Choi East, Central, West Kowloon, Centr and then Chim Cha Choi East again, and then back to Hong Hong and Kai Tak. So it runs that circle. Um, and, um, you know, it's, 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 of course, good that we get a circular ferry um, and, um, and allows people to get, get on and off um, uh, where they need to. Um, the activity is not yet on the waterfront, so viability retains, is, is limited until West Kowloon opens up, until the hotels and the shops on the waterfront of Kartak open up, until Site 3 in Central has been developed. I mean, once those are done, it is far more efficient to hop on 
a, a, a circle of ferry to get across the water, then walking back to an MTR station, arriving at the other side, then walking from that MTR station back to the waterfront. So if you're going to navigate between waterfronts that are active and vibrant, uh, the circle of ferry in the future will be uh, will be a good option. Uh, but it's not a water taxi. Let's just mm. <laughs> get that very straight. Um, the government has adopted a name because we've been pushing for water taxis uh, and they haven't really wanted to go that direction. Um, it's, it's a, it, it would be a, it's, it has to do with the law uh, and they don't want to make any changes to the law uh, and, and allow water taxis to operate. But they are here, of course. In the harbour, in the, in terms of little sampans that will take you across. Call the, call the sampan lady in mm. Causeway Bay once you came out of the World Trade Center on the other side of the tunnel and call sampan, and then the sampan lady will show up and you pay her some money to take you to a boat. Or take, can you still do that? Absolutely. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, right. And uh, she will take you. It's very nineteenth century. She takes you to the yacht clubs. She takes you to one of the boats on the water. She takes you to the pier to the uh, to the breakwaters. Uh, North Point Ferry Pier, there are sampans operating there to take all the fishermen to the piers under the highway where they stand fishing. And then they use the mobile phone and call the sampan and they'd be taken back to the shore. Uh, in the Kuntong Typhoon Shelter, there are sampans operating there and Aberdeen sampans operating. So, I mean, sampan operators are there. And the other form of water taxis that is uh, a real business with about 120 vessels on the water are these uh, t uh, motorboats that take uh, primarily they 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 are hired on uh, on charter and they take passengers uh, crew uh, primarily and workers between work sites and vessels and the shore so all the ships you see laying in the middle of the harbor they got to get to the shore and so these these boats are being called up and they to pick up a crew and they have about 12 seats 14 seats and they Perfectly fine vessels, um, um, and if you want to rent them, you can do that. Uh, you can make a call. They are they are probably about seven hundred to eight hundred dollars an hour um, to uh, to, and then you know because they take kind of a bit of uh, fuel. Um, I had hoped that we would have been flexible enough to let these guys operate as a water taxi uh, or brand themselves as a water taxi. Uh, but like the government, water minibus or something. Yeah, well, that you could call in. Well, I think that the, 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 the minibus is what we're getting now. The 100-seater mm. that mm. circulates around the harbour, you can hop on, you can decide which stop you get on, which stop you get off. Um, that is more like a minibus operation. No, I mean real, a real water taxi that you can use your phone, call the guy and he's going to be at that pier where you want to hop up, get on and he takes you where you need to go uh, and I think that's that service is there is potential is there and um, the uh, Hong Kong uh, truck and motorboat association has been looking at it and they just need a bit more support from the government from a legal point of view on on how you then operate that under the current legislation and, and obviously you've got peer capacity because people won't be tendering for this service unless they they know that there are peers they can use are they going to have to share peers with the existing ferry companies um yeah the uh they uh, they are and uh, but they also have been asked if they can uh, upgrade some of the uh, the peers but the the water taxi the runway park pier which is an existing landing uh, and landing number two mm. at Kai Tak, existing and landing. In Hong Hong, the South Ferry Pier. Uh, in Chim Cha Choi, the landing number two. You can see the numbers when you're there. Those are those landing steps and landing number five. Um, in Chim Cha Choi East, the public landing steps at the Chim Cha Choi Promenade. 
then the Marine Landing Facilities West Kowloon Cultural District. Uh, they are going to build their own, so I think West Kowloon will b make a better facility there. So, And then the Central Pier Number 8 uh, and Central Pier Number 9 and Pier Number 10 are available. So, uh, so existing piers, but if they're going to use uh, a, a Pier 8, uh, then I guess uh, the, uh, some work has to be done to uh, to reopen that one. That it's, we used to be operational, but it's been closed down for some time. Mm. Mm. Nick Brook, is this mostly a tourist thing, do you think? Because it's going to be connecting kind of um, leisure facilities rather well, than commuting? Well, I think it's partly tourism, but I mean, uh, in other cities with ports and harbours, uh, it's a major way of commuting as well. Um, uh, so I, I don't see why it should be just, just for visitor, if you like. I think it can become a, a local attraction or local uh, part of the infrastructure as well. Um, one of the interesting proposals we had at one stage was hop, literally hop on and hop off, which was going to go from, it was going to hug the north shore of Hong Kong Island, and this was designed at, at looking at commuters. This was going to go from Taiku to North Point, North Point to Causeway Bay, Causeway Bay to Wan Chai, and then Wan Chai to Central, um, and offer people the opportunity to literally hop on and hop off um, at those different uh, destinations. Yeah. Um, and that was that was going, that was primarily uh, looked at looking at uh, people wanting to commute. Yeah. So the difference between uh, this uh, as a ferry and regular ferries, regular ferries are on a uh, on a frequency and a committed frequency. You've got to commit to government how, how often you operate. This one has a very low commitment. So and also and, and they can organize their routes between those uh, points that have been designated. So I think there is greater flexibility here for the operator to go and adjust its schedule to where the demand is. And, op and 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 sail that more often or rearrange his route for those sailings. He has a minimum requirement, but that's not very high. There's about three to go around the entire harbour. But um, so so I think we're going to see this as a good way of learning what where the demand is going to be. Mm. You can see the potential for leisure, not just tourists, but also Hong Kongers who want to do something different. How close are we to this old ideal of being able to walk around the harbour? How's progress on that one going? Nick well, looking in from the outside now, uh, I think um, a good deal more progress is being made because um, the Commission has now got access to funding. So we're, we're seeing some major initiatives around the um, Convention Centre and on the other side of the water as well. So, and we, Avenue of Stars obviously is now up and running. So uh, I think more progress is being made. It's still a jigsaw exercise, and we, we should be doing it in a more comprehensive way. And, we, and obviously, the Commission uh, needs more funding uh, to uh, complete the uh, circuit, so to speak. But I mean, Paul Met will, I'm sure, will have a view. But uh, I think uh, better progress than hitherto. Yeah, no, it's doing very well. I mean, of this um, uh, 73 kilometres, uh, about uh, close to 30 is now walkable. Um, and uh, as, as projects are being completed, say Kai Tak, um, uh, Yao Tong Bay, uh, the uh, West Kowloon Cultural District, uh, and uh, North Point Estate is just open, but uh, the, uh, the walkway that's being planned for under the highway on, on the eastern side of the harbour on Hong Kong Island, um, that will, number will go up dramatically. And we're, getting, we're gonna be it's in about eight years, very close to 50 kilometers, where the remaining are basically the poor 
support operations in Kwai Chung and Qingyi and, and the military facilities, stonecutters. Those you will not be able to work for a long time unless we move the ports. Um, but you, the, uh, I think the fantastic opportunity is going to be there, say, in, in about eight years, I estimate, that you can walk from Leiumun, the fish and seafood fish restaurants, you can yeah. walk all the way to a Yamate Typhoon Shelter along mm. the waterfront. Um, there is on Hong Kong Island one gap to be resolved, uh, and which is the uh, Museum of Coastal Defense. If we resolve that, you can walk the entire waterfront from Chaiwan to Kennedy Town. Wow. And what we are working on through the District Council is that you can walk from Kennedy Town all the way back to Chaiwan via the south side. And the only missing link is the LCSD facility, the Leisure Cultural Services Department facility at, at Leiumun Park, mm. the, the Museum of Coastal Defense. If we can get a pathway up, a staircase up from Heng Fatun up to the hill and then walk down through the, through the museum or along the museum down into Shao Kei Wan, you can walk 60 kilometers along basically the coastline of Hong Kong Island. It's a very steep hill, isn't it? They've, yeah. got, a, they've got a lift there at the moment. Um, coming from the, yeah, so yeah, well, there is the approach uh, path uh, road to the museum is not that steep, but it, it does a zigzag. Um, and you know, there are some areas where you will have to step inwards. Uh, you know, you cannot, you know, Ocean Park, you will not be able to do the coastline. Um, you can't do the coastline at, uh, at Stanley where the military facilities are. But in generally, 60 kilometers around the islands will be possible if we fix that last link. And then you can walk uh, very soon if, if, if LCSD is going to be flexible in how they're going to adjust the management of that uh, museum. You can then walk all the way from Taiwan to Kennedy Town in, in a few years. I mean, I would say in, in a couple of years, the links will all be be ready, um, except for in North Point, where the, the boardwalk to go into the highway will take time. So you will have to walk along electric road for some time longer, but uh, the, uh, until the boardwalk is done. And I ex expect that to be done in about eight years or 78 years. And, and a coastline walk is obviously going to have quite a lot of flat sections, which is n nice for people, huh? urban dwellers, and pretty photogenic too. Uh, I think it's. I mean, yes. Look, looking across either uh, from in either direction, looking north, south, or, or east, west, uh, there's some wonderful shots um, mm. all around the harbour. Okay, uh, S in an email says, water taxes, are we now going to pollute the water even further? Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the, hopefully the new vessels, well, I'm sure the new vessels will be uh, uh, designed in a way that, the, that the, there's minimum pollution. And I'm sure there'll be fuel um, stipulations as well. Um, the challenge, I think, is the existing informal fleet, if you like, um, I, I'm very keen that we do retain the, uh, the existing informal fleet as well as this new initiative. So we come up with a hybrid, if you like, which is new and existing. Um, so I think there's some work to be done on uh, um, operating licenses and certificates of ownership and the like and uh, issues around licensing and potential safety. But I, I, I think that there's an attraction, if you like, the appeal of informality, the ability to hail at will, you know, like use your phone or your mobile device to... Um, or even wave to, to gain attention. Um, so it would be great to use uh, old vessels as well as new vessels in, in a combined way. All right. Uh, here's an email from uh, Jeffrey. It says, Morning, Paul. Uh, when will we be able to walk from Hong Kong Island to Kowloon without getting, <laughs> without getting on any boats, MTR or buses? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, where so this, where you would would you want to do that and not impede uh, water traffic? So the only location would be a very high bridge from uh, Leimun uh, to the other side, Leimun on both sides, mm. basically of Leimun. Which yeah. has been suggested, I think, from time to has time. Has been suggested. It would be a, a massive feature, but um, you know, like where, wherever you put these bridges, when they, they've seen it in Singapore with a cruise terminal, they had to move the cruise terminal because cruise ships got got intolerant and taller to the point they couldn't get out yeah. through mm. the, the the cable car so um, you have to be very careful with those ideas and how that matches up with the ships but I think there you moon channel but you would have to go up very high to get across and then down again so it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a gimmick um, and um, it, it would be it would be lots of fun that was for sure it's a swing it bridge maybe like yeah, tower visu bridge. visually visually it would be what I think it would be a major attraction right it has to get up in the air. I think it's 60 meters uh, minimum. Um, so it is up in the air. I think essentially we're looking for a sponsor. So if anyone's listening, <laughs> like to fund, like to fund, fund the bridge, yeah. um, we're in uh, discussion territory. Um, yeah. One other, th one other thought that's been mooted, um, and I don't know how far it's got, but um, the scope for a pedestrian um, link uh, underwater the, the tunnel, between central. Yeah tunnel between central and Kowloon uh, with a, a people mover in it so you literally get on and it's a uh, it's a continuous run ride if you like to the other side it's about 1200 meters it's it's doable um and you could make it very exciting in terms of the visual um uh, attractions along the way if you like it could almost be a, a mini ocean park as you as you travel from a to b you think about uh, the same what we have in shanghai uh, nick or you Very could just. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of it like a death slide between IFC and ICC. <laughs> just have a big rope and just uh, travel travel that way. Well, uh, I feel quite sick actually. <laughs> uh, it's not for everyone, but it's definitely it will be really cool. Okay. Well, uh, Nicholas Brook, thank you very much indeed for for uh, joining us uh, this morning. Paul Zimmerman, stick around. We're going to be talking in the second part of of the uh, of the program uh, with uh, two uh, uh, prominent environmentalists uh, in in Hong Kong and also uh, also a hiker uh, about um, the effect of um, the, uh, the COVID nineteen. I guess on the natural world and uh, in Hong Kong, uh, and also uh, an assessment of the observatory who are providing us some special service for hikers, encouraging people uh, in that. That way, if you've got any thoughts on that, uh, share them by emailing backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call 233 uh, and we'll put you live on air. Um, the weather now before the news at nine o'clock is going to be mainly cloudy, a couple of showers this morning and at night, sunny periods during the day, temperatures about 27 degrees, a few showers at first. Tomorrow, rather warm during the day on Friday, thundery showers that night to Saturday, 21 degrees now, humidity is at 86%. <laughs> With 554 cases recorded, the number of new infections and deaths is rising fast across Africa in spite of lockdowns, curfews and travel bans. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Banked Out uh, this Wednesday morning with Rachel Cartland and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're taking a break from the virus today, mostly. Uh, in the first part of the programme, we were talking about uh, water taxis, uh, how they might work, or, or, or a circular ferry uh, around uh, the harbour. Uh, we're in the second part of the uh, programme today. We're talking about uh, environmental uh, matters and uh, uh, also about a new service provided by the Hong Kong Observatory to uh, uh, help hikers in Hong Kong, hiking trail weather 
weather service. We'll have an assessment of that uh, later. Uh, but first, uh, this Saturday is uh, Earth Hour, uh, organised by uh, WF Hong Kong. Uh, buildings are invited to uh, switch off uh, their uh, power for uh, an hour. Uh, that's happening at uh, 8.30 uh, this Saturday. It's also perhaps a chance to uh, reflect on, on where we stand. Um, just before we go on to that, here's an email. This is from Bowen. This is on this is on a different subject, but it's not a virus, so I'm allowing it. Bowen says, Dear Back Champ, uh, this is on the subject of Ronnie Tong on Hong Kong Today. Uh, while uh, Ronnie Tong is right in saying in Hong Kong Today that the Chief Justice is only one of several senior judges deciding cases in the Court of Final Appeal, his role as the Chief Justice has special prominence and his pronouncements outside his judgments could have a particular influence on the judges below and other lawyers at large. In view of this, the exercise by LegCo of the power to endorse the appointment of the Chief Justice under Article 73.7 of the Basic Law, referred to by Ronnie Tong, should not be regarded as a mere formality, as Holden Chow seems to imply. Serious exchange of views should be made as to the qualities and personal beliefs held by the recommended individual on, for example, fundamental aspects of the workings of our Constitution. If we add to this the pressure Hong Kong is now under, it should not be considered to be a bad thing for the process of endorsement of the appointment of the next Chief Justice to be conducted not hastily so as to allow more time for legislators and others to, among other things, among others, interact with and express the community's concerns about the future of the rule of law in Hong Kong to Andrew Chung. That's thoughts from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed. Our email address is backchat at rthk.hk. You're welcome to call us on 233-88266, and we'll, we'll put you on air. OK, uh, uh, we are joined uh, for this part of the uh, programme by uh, John Sayer, Director of Carbon Care Asia, and Lam Chu Yang, the former director of the uh, Hong Kong Observatory. Good morning to you both. Yeah, good morning. Uh, uh, here's, a, here's an email. Um, Lam Chu Yang, maybe um, you might want to comment on this. This is uh, actually a, a Facebook <laughs> message from Nig, who says, Mad cow in the 80s, Ebola, swine, avian, SARS, MERS, uh, Australian bushfire, Amazon, Brazil, Indonesia flood, now earthquakes, Utah, Philippines. Suffice to say, Mother Nature is upset with humans and is showing the planet her colour. Let's think hard about our responsibility to this planet and how we treated its inhabitants because there is only one planet. The human race has been a bit naughty and all grounded now. That's <laughs> Nick's reading of, of, of the current situation. Do you think... Um, um, Mr. Lamb, do you think that attitudes towards global warming, for example, are going to change a little bit? Do you think that um, the this worldwide uh, coronavirus outbreak is going to shift opinion, change the way people kind of feel about the world? Yes, I I I, I do think that uh, with this pandemic affecting so many people worldwide, uh, people should start thinking about any problem in this global context. So the climate change, which is going to affect everyone on Earth, uh, it should, should appear in the agenda of all people, top officials in the world and top politicians, those who are in, in power, controlling the life of uh, millions and billions. Um, uh, and I would like to use an analogy. At the moment, uh, we now realize that uh, we now start to realize that uh, at the beginning of the problem, it might seem quite trivial, but you have actually to start action. It's like Hong Kong, uh, say, uh, 
passing the mark of 100 cases and we started locking down. And we have been very successful in controlling the number of cases. Um, but other places, they have, they have uh, somehow missed the signal, thought that uh, 100 is over a small number, and then suddenly they realize that they are facing 10,000 a day. Um, and climate change, we are at the most, I think we are, we are more or less at the level of 100 cases in Hong Kong, that kind of thing. And some people think that, oh, this is a small problem, it will take a long time. But unfortunately, things are magnified, double and double and double, and then it suddenly becomes a very big problem. And, um, well, I really hope that uh, this will trigger people into thinking about apparently small more problem now, but apply the imagination to, to project into the future to, and to see that a, a very serious problem is coming in terms of climate change. Mm. Exponential increases. Mm. Yes, oh, indeed. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, whether we aren't already seeing some positive effects of the lockdown in, in effect that we've been uh, going through these past couple of months. I, I don't know if it's genuine or not, but I've been sent um, a lovely clip of dolphins in the harbour apparently uh, benefiting from the lack of other activity there. And you're the great bird watcher. You will obviously know. But I've had the feeling that you can hear more birds around at the moment, that the more plaintive cuckoos and so on. is. is yeah. Is that valid? <laughs> well, I think the I think those images coming out from Venice uh, really trigger people into realizing that oh, simple images like that makes you make you feel very happy. Mm. Well, what happened in Venice is that well, they, they don't have that gondola anymore. Uh, the, the mud at the bottom of the river is not being mixed around, uh, and and uh, water. Water cleared up, so small fishes came in. Once you have the small fishes, you have the bigger fishes, and after you have the bigger fishes, you get the dolphin <laughs> because the dolphin are following the fish. Um, so, and then they, of course, uh, there were images of swans coming in or seagulls. Uh, basically, uh, what what cities have done is that they they they, they, they disturb the natural environment and everything goes off balance. And then every everybody suffers, animal, birds, fish, and indeed human. Um, uh, I, I, I I really like those images coming out from Venice. It shows that how simple happiness could be. You see other fellow beings on earth near you, and 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 what what is the meaning of life? That is the meaning of life. And and are you seeing any any signs of a similar sort of nature repairing itself in in Hong Kong? Uh, well, I I can't really see it because uh, we, we 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 are still we are still a very busy city in spite of the semi lockdown. Um, but but we really are seeing a lot of uh, signs of spring. Uh, you mentioned the plaintive cuckoo, and we also have the coel, uh, and, and of course the pigeons and doves, they, they are cutting each other nowadays. And uh, uh, I think uh, if you look around, it, is, it can't really be boring because you see so many things happening in the parks, in, in the trees uh, by the roadside. So, so long as you have a positive mentality inside, we can see a lot of beautiful things around naturally. So uh, 
I really encourage people to 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 watch nature and then start start to uh, love nature again. John Sir, good morning to you, director of Carbon Care Asia. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us. What's what's your take on this? Do you think things are just going to go back to the way they were, or do you think attitudes have have shifted? Um, I think this is showing uh, the the pandemic is showing us what uh, what uh, what values really count. We're we're all worried uh, perhaps about uh, our own families, our friends the communities, people near us. And I think at a time like this, we begin to realize what really matters and, and what does not matter so much. And, and obviously health is at the top of that list. And we're beginning to see um, also an appreciation of the, the simpler things in life, like being able to go out for a walk, being able to walk around, and perhaps some of the values we've had in the past, the conspicuous consumption, uh, is not so important to us as being able to get our basic needs in, in the shops and uh, decent food and healthy food. So I think in that sense, uh, a time like this, an emergency, allows us to assess what really matters in our lives. And I think part of that, of course, is the appreciation of the natural environment. Mr. Lam has been talking about resurgence of wildlife in Venice, a pretty extreme example when you consider how uh, over-touristed Venice was. I've also seen some articles suggesting that we're getting drops, uh, quite dramatic drops in um, the carbon that we've been so worried about in the atmosphere. Uh, do you know anything about that? Have you seen, has, have, has there really been evidence of that? Yes, I think that's clear. The emissions are going down because factories are closing, there's less transport, of course, flights are being cancelled, and, and we're seeing less emissions. The problem, of course, is when we, uh, in the economic recovery period, do we want to rush headlong back to the system we had before, or do we want to take this opportunity to rebuild and regrow in a way that's more sustainable? And I, I think that's really, really important. Because if we, if we rush back into uh, building coal-fired power stations and uh, manufacturing diesel 4x4s um, just to get growth uh, started again, rather than perhaps focus on uh, renewable energy and more electric transport and more public transport. This is, in a way, a golden opportunity to do what all governments have said they're going to do, which is transition to a lower-carbon economy. Do you, yeah, do you think there's a will to do that? Do you think that uh, it, there is kind of a feeling that there might be a, a kind of fresh start? I mean, this is going to be a massive blow to the world, basically, isn't it? I mean, certainly, you know, in well, e e economic terms and social terms, it's it's kind of like a reset. And if we use that reset wisely and look at our core values, I think we may well be able to uh, to have a more you know, direct economic recovery to a more sustainable future take. For example, after the Second World War, when we had traumatized populations, a massive amount of destruction, there was an appetite amongst the public uh, in many countries to concentrate on the things that really mattered, rebuilding, uh, looking at more equal educational opportunities in the UK, establishing the NHS and ensuring that all people had access to health care, more decent public housing. So people were willing to get their heads down work harder, take a bit of rationing, and, uh, on, but uh, on 
the other part of the bargain was that uh, government invested in the things that ensured that we had a more decent society for all. That's the opportunity. And in, in this case of the virus, of course, this would be the basis of the bailouts and the stimulus package. Mm. Uh, that is going to, it must be linked, obviously, to preserving jobs. But can they also be linked, uh, you know, so that if companies get assistance, it doesn't go to uh, overpaid senior managers and uh, shareholders alone. It must go to preserving jobs, keeping uh, wages paid, encouraging more sustainable development um, uh, so that uh, greener projects are receiving this the stimulus and the government can appraise uh, maybe yeah but maybe you know it might be um kind of you know times are hard we'll just do what we can and you know may maybe you know the sort of environmental measures would be seen as a a luxury when times are good and now when times are hard we've just got to push ahead and get the factories running 24 hour a day and do what we can Hopefully we have more of a vision than that. I mean, some people say that this pandemic is a rehearsal for climate change, meaning we are going to see massive disruptions to our way of life, and we have to transition to a greener economy. With a bit of insight, therefore, the recovery can achieve two things. can ensure people have jobs and a decent life and uh, the basic needs that we all value. Uh, at the same time, I think continuing on a path to a, a low-carbon future, which uh, is not more expensive than a high-carbon future. In fact, of course, ultimately far more expensive. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's a very wild question, but has anybody got any thought about how long it would take of lower activity for the planet, in effect, to repair itself? Um reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and what the scientists of the world are saying from, from all countries who, who, uh, who uh, report to the United Nations is that, of course, we need to get to net zero by 2050. The pathway down to that, many countries have already embarked on that and have delinked economic growth from carbon emissions. In other words, the economy is growing but carbon emissions are not growing. That, that process just needs to uh, accelerate with green technology. Mm. Net, net zero by 2050, did I hear you right? That's right. Yeah. And so we might find ourselves achieving that by uh, accident or disaster, as it were, it seems, with this uh, new pandemic and, and the possibility of more to come. I hope it would be achieved by design, by planning by uh, the right incentives to us all and by taking some opportunity from what is at the moment a, bit, uh, a disaster and a tragedy for many. All right, uh, some uh, thoughts from, from listeners. Uh, Jeffrey says, uh, climate change is inevitable. The planet is moving closer to the sun by four inches per year. So even these small movements over time will have effects on the planet that cannot be reversed. We have to reverse the warming effects to make a difference, not just stop pollution. That comes from Jeffrey. 
sure about that, Geoffrey. We, we sure, could ask sure Mr Lamb all. if he's still uh, on the well, phone. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, well, hang on, Mr Lamb. Uh, there's a couple of the other comments you could uh, address as well. Paul H says, Dear Backchat, the last thing that went through my mind as I threw my shoes at the neighbour's screeching cat this morning was, what a wonderful sound nature makes. Your guest said it, said it as it is. Environmentalists need to trick our imaginations rather than base their arguments on reality. That comes uh, from, from H. Uh, and Alan uh, also says, uh, Backchat, unfortunately, as usual with viral photos, most of the news of animals returning to urban areas are fake. There are no dolphins in Venice. And there's a link to a story from the National Geographic saying the swans in viral posts appear in the canals of Murano uh, uh, and so on, and uh, debunking a, lo a lot of those pictures. Um, yeah, uh, Mr Lamb? Yes, um well, the gentleman talking about the, the Earth moving closer to the sun. Well, actually, the sun is getting warmer and warmer, and uh, in in a few billion years, uh, we will be engulfed by the sun. But that is millions of years ago away. So, what we should care about is the next century or two, when we we or and our grandchildren would still be around. Um, actually. The most important issue at the moment is about human-induced warming. And warming at the rate which Earth has not seen for a long, long time, I mean in terms of uh, tens of billions of years uh, uh, in the past. So uh, I think the focus must be in the next decade, uh, in the next century or so, uh, uh, and talking about zero carbon by uh, 2050, it is an inspirational target which we must uphold and, uh, without thinking about zero carbon by 2050. People will just sit on their hands, hoping that the uh, extreme weather would go away uh, in their lifetime. Um, so I, I really think that uh, Hong Kong, among other, uh, other places, must quickly adopt this inspirational target of zero carbon by 2050. And, there, and we know that we could achieve it because, uh, as uh, Mr. Sear has mentioned, renewable energy. Renewable energy actually is available. Uh, it, it is waiting to be tapped into. Uh, and uh, there is no reason why we should run away from this target. Um, Hong Kong, for example, could invest in uh, the harvesting of renewable energy in the China, China mainland and then sort of channel the electricity back to Hong Kong. Uh, there's no need for nuclear energy. There's no need for uh, coal-fired plants. And uh, it is just a matter of realizing and uh, accepting the uh, existence of climate change and then having the will to do it. Okay, well, Lam Chiu Ying, former director of the Observatory, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Thank you to John Sayer, director of uh, Carbon Care Asia. Thank you both very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Okay, here's an email from, from Matthew, uh, who says, uh, Back chat, I love your programme and appreciate the experiment, but today's topics are way too far removed from the current issues we are facing in Hong Kong and around the world. A bit boring. Please get more to topical subjects tomorrow. I miss the Andrews, Herman and Texan Mike. That comes from Matthew's obviously a junkie 
We will, uh, we will get back to it, Matthew. Just wait, just wait, just wait till tomorrow. Okay, finally today we wanted to uh, uh, think, uh, stay outdoors, I, I, I guess. Uh, a lot of people, of course, uh, are, are taking to the uh, country parks and uh, hiking and enjoying a little bit of uh, fresh air, especially at the weekends, of course, in the current situation. Uh, and uh, the observatory has uh, launched this week a Hong Kong hiking trail uh, weather service, uh, a web page uh, providing automatic seven-day weather forecasts for the major hiking routes um, uh, in Hong Kong uh, and uh, also um, the observatory is uh, collaborating with the FCD setting up uh, QR codes are on uh, information boards of some country parks you can scan the codes and then get weather information of nearby hiking routes instantly including rainfall and uh, lightning now casts uh, they've been tried in Saikong and now they're going to be used in, in other places. Um, for comment and uh, reaction, we're joined now by um, DJ Clark, who's a multimedia journalist and producer for Drone and Phone, a YouTube channel, which um, I've got to say it was new to me, but I've just been looking at it. It's, it's very interesting and very enjoyable. Uh, DJ or Mr. Clark, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for, for joining us today. Um, so, uh, tell, well, first of all, get, go on, do the advert. Tell us about the, the Drone and Phone YouTube channel. What, what, what is it? Explain what it is. Well, it's not just a YouTube channel. It's a Facebook page and a, a website as well. Uh, we do a weekly video where we look at one-day activities around Hong Kong. Uh, it's mainly hiking, so we have a lot of videos. We've been doing it for five years now. So, um, as you can imagine, there's quite a few different activities there. Uh, we cover pretty well all of the major hiking routes. We're trying to finish off a few of uh, the smaller ones at the moment, but we're also doing coast steering and, and water activities and all sorts of, of other things as well. It's really a, a place to go to try and get inspiration to get out and do something if you have a free day uh, in Hong Kong and around. We've also uh, covered different parts of Asia, so we've done... Uh, quite a lot in the Chinese mainland and then um, also in places like South Korea and the Philippines and Malaysia, all sorts of other places if you want to go away for, for a week or, or get out. Obviously, right now is not the time to do that, but uh, maybe sometime, hopefully, very soon in the future. Well, in the situation we find ourselves now in, what would be your top tips for people who are quite new to hiking, um, want to try something out because it's the thing they can do at the moment, but don't want to be as crowded as people are on the peak circuit and so on? Sure. Um, well, we have a, a, on, our, on the dronephone.com website, there's a map um, where we've got lots of different activities that aren't all um, on the main trails. In fact, a lot of them are off the beaten track uh, where you can find good trails. In fact, the last couple of days we've been filming on trails that haven't been anyone at all um, so you know hong kong has an immense amount of of trails and and places where you can get out and about and even with you know, quite a dense population it's, it's quite easy to find places where you can get away from I and mean, i'd certainly advise at this point in time is to try and find trails try and avoid the major trails because they seem to be um, really jamming up with people uh, trying to escape and a lot of people just go to the most obvious ones um, but as I said, uh, there's plenty of, of, of things to, to think about. Just be careful at this time of year because the weather is changing very fast and you can go out in the morning and it'd be quite cool and suddenly it can get very hot uh, and that's quite a danger. A lot of people actually die on the, on the, uh, the trails in Hong Kong, normally caught out by not having enough water in, in hot weather and trying to get up a, a hill that's probably too steep for them. 
Sorry, yeah, go on, Paul. Paul, um, yeah, do, do you do you to help yourself in uh, in going out there and and taking these shots? Uh, and uh, uh, do you use the uh, Hong Kong Observatory phone app um, uh, showing the weather I, conditions? Yes, I mean we've always used the, the app, I, I, um, the main app. The uh, weather is actually quite important, for, as I said, for two reasons. One is is just to get a sense of of heat because heat can be. Uh, a real problem uh, on some of the tougher trails on Hong Kong. Uh, the other is uh, when we get to the, the rainy season, when, it, when we have some sudden downpours, there's a lot of trails um, that can experience flash floods as well, uh, all being exposed to lightning. So uh, knowing your weather in Hong Kong is actually quite important, particularly as we move into the, the warmer season. Yeah, I, 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 you know, we go paragliding and hiking, so we use that uh, Hong Kong Observatory app all the time. Is, is there is, is there any recommendations you have on the use of it? Um, I, I don't find it to be... I mean, the, the weather conditions in Hong Kong seem to change very quickly, and uh, they're not always uh, 100% accurate. Um, these, the new app that's just come out, this one, I think it just has the four major uh, long trails, the Hong Kong, Wilson... Lantau um, and Macklehose trails. So it's only covering those at the moment, um, but that's giving you more localized uh, information on the on the route that you might be taking. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I, I think that they're accurate enough to say that it's either going to be very hot or or there is some sort of risk of uh, some heavy downpours or thunder thunderstorms. Do you think Do you think the QR codes? Do you think they're useful? Um, I haven't looked at those. I think the QR codes, as far as I understand, are giving you additional information. Uh, one of the things that is particularly bad on the Hong Kong trails, um, not on the major trails, but on, on most of the other trails, is they're hard to find. Um, I think having, you know, with us having smartphones now, um, having GPS uh, locations so you can find these trails and also not get lost uh, if you're out on them, that would be useful, uh, and that could be something that could be done on the QR code at the beginning of the of the trail. Um, in terms of weather, I guess is what we're talking about more uh, at the moment. Um, I, I would imagine if, again, as you're moving into the season where the the weather can change much more quickly, I would uh, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to have some sort of alerts uh, on your phone that are going to tell you if something if something's about to happen. Uh, so that you can get to cover, particularly if you're out on exposed land and there's a big thunderstorm coming. Hmm. So you mean a hiker alert, uh, so you can set it up mm. where you allow them to know your GPS location and get a, a, a localised uh, uh, warning? Yeah, I, mean, I think, I think the, 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 um, currently the observatory app does that. I mean, it does, if, if you tell it where you are, it will give you uh, warnings if there's about to be a, a big storm coming your way. And those are quite useful, though, I've got to say. And sometimes they're very generalised, and it can mean that you miss out a whole day's hiking uh, for one thunderstorm that might come at some point during that. Um, hmm. But having said that, you know, better to be safe than sorry. And which hiking trail apps do you use? Um, the main one that we use is Trail Watch. Uh, there are, there's, I think MapMe is another popular one in Hong Kong, but these are two that have um, a lot more trails. I, what I wouldn't recommend is using Google Maps because the trails on there seem to be one inaccurate and two very few. Um, I've, I've been given a hint actually by somebody that the, the current map that is mapping the, the COVID-19, uh, that that map has got some very detailed trails on it if you zoom into it. 
Um, not that that's what it's designed for, but obviously there must be some, some more accurate maps somewhere in, in Hong Kong that we don't have access to. Uh, Trail Watch is, is, is the one I would recommend to most people, though. Yeah, the one that you mentioned, that's the, tr the map is uh, from the uh, uh, lens department, and that one is very detailed, but it doesn't allow you to plan your hiking trails, but it's, it's, it has great details in the background. Yeah. Paul Zimmerman, do you, uh, do you think there are too many people on the trails? Um... No, I want more people out there. Um, and uh, I had a fantastic hike on, uh, on Sunday going up the waterfalls uh, um, uh, next to Kaduri Farm. Um, and uh, for I, I met one other person and a few people who went to the temple that's just at the bottom. I mean, we've we got to get more people out. It's a great thing to do. But it's, it's good that people uh, we, we enable people to spread out and go over different routes um, and not just the obvious ones. So the obvious ones tend to be overcrowded around lunchtime. But if you go out early, you go out 7.30, 8 o'clock, you're fine. Uh, you, you're going to be out of the crowd. But if you go out at 12 when everybody else goes out, then it gets somewhat overcrowded till about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So you've got to pick your time and, and try to explore some other routes. Uh, Trail Watch, I think, is a great app. I, I totally uh, agree uh, with DJ on that one. Okay. Uh, and uh, Dan says the weather radar uh, at the Hong Kong Observatory is the most important tool we have for outdoor activity uh, in Hong Kong. That uh, comes from Dan, who's the leader of Hong Kong Hiking Meetup. Dan, many thanks to mm. you. Uh, Mr. Clark, thank you very much indeed. DJ Clark there, multimedia journalist. Producer, that's the Drone and Phone uh, YouTube channel and uh, Facebook page and, and, and website uh, as well. Uh, I do recommend that. It's, it's very interesting. It's that's pretty cool. hardcore. Yeah, say on his, on his, on his fantastic suggestions. Great images. Uh, good stuff up there. So, what is it? Droneandphone.com. Yes. Yeah. And you're a, you're a keen paraglider, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, I love this paragliding. And I tell you, the Hong Kong Observatory, the, the phone app that they have is fantastic. Um, I think that this, uh, this trail thing, is, it's, I'm not sure that that is entirely helpful. I think people have to learn how to use the app. Everything is there. It's just how to navigate around it. Learn it because it, it is really, really useful. Okay. Well, uh, Paul, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Rachel Cartland, many thanks for uh, joining us today as the uh, co-host. Thank you to uh, Noreen Mir, uh, our studio producer today. The weather, mainly cloudy, a couple of uh, rain showers this morning and at night. Uh, temperatures up to 27 degrees, 22 degrees now, and the humidity is at 85%. The Electoral Affairs Commission has published the proposed guidelines on election-related activities in respect of the Legislative Council election for public consultation. You can send a written submission by April 7th. The proposed guidelines are available for viewing at the Commission's website, www.eac.hk, the Registration and Electoral Office and the Home Affairs Inquiry Centres of District Offices. For inquiries, please call 2891-1001. 934, the news now with Samantha Butler. A Macau-based journalist says a student from the UK who spent the past week in Hong Kong tested positive for the coronavirus on arrival in Macau last night. Joao Pintao from broadcaster TDM says people in Macau believe the strict border measures imposed by the government will ensure there's no local outbreaks there. More than 500 Hong Kong residents are expected to be flown back from Hubei province on four chartered flights today and tomorrow. Around a quarter of them are aged 16 and under. Speaking before boarding the first flight, the Secretary for Constitutional Affairs, Patrick Nip, said they would bring back pregnant women and other people with urgent medical needs.
And Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has described as overly prejudiced concerns that Hong Kong's next Chief Justice is too conservative. The government announced yesterday that Court of Final Appeal Judge Andrew Cheung will replace Chief Justice Jeffrey Ma, who retires in January. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. 